WGTheTruth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, the music world has been littered with a series of major, major passings, particularly in the world of funk and soul music. Let me tell you, anytime we lose one of our, our giants, our elders, our, our leaders in this genre, uh, it, it bears mentioning uh, that well, that, that's, that's highly uh, understated. Uh, th these are legends to us. They, they mean the world to us, and we do all we can on this program, at least to give them their flowers while they're here. And so, of course, in their passing, we have to give them their just dues as well. We've lost four of them, and in that tradition, I have four amazing, eclectic, diverse guests on the line with me right now to celebrate all of them from all over the country. I first want to welcome back uh, three guests, and one of these guests are here on Psychotic Bump School for the very first time. So let me introduce, reintroduce that is, uh, two returning guests who y'all just, man, I, I love I love all these people, but the, you know, they helped me with the, the George Clinton uh, celebration. Uh, David Webb, I should have called you for that one too. We had a real good time. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, returning back for this celebration right here, we have Juliana Bolden, and the good brother, Mr. A. Scott Galloway, both out of California. Juliana, Scott, are you there? Allow me to reintroduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jay. Come on. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome back. Hi, Scott. Hey, Juliana. I can't wait to see your new spot, girl. Oh, yeah, hey. She got a new spot. I, 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 I moved from one side of town to the other, seeking That's a little bit fresher air. The pandemic does strange things to people that hunkered me down but at the same time i had a friend say sometimes the most powerful moves you can make are not the ones that when you smartly hunker down but when you make a decision to pounce and make a quick move in, in the middle of chaos like when you see the eye of a storm and you can just thread that needle if it's time if, if god says move you go in that moment come on are we in the eye right now or what i'm hoping you're moving to uh cooler terrains uh, also on the call, uh, returning, it's been a while since we heard from this good brother, but this, this good brother is the CEO and founder of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center, the funk capital of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, the good brother, Mr. David Webb. Mr. Webb, are you there? Thank you. Thank you. Hello, hello, everybody. And thank you for having me. I know this is going to be an exciting show, and I'm excited about it. Man, we always excited. You always kick the level up 10 decibels, good brother. Always love having you on the show. Uh, Welcome back. It's been far thank too you. long. Thank you. Far too long. And, uh, thank you I, so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And as I said, uh, this wonderful guest is out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A very critical election. Actually, we, we, exact, we got two swing states on the call right now, Ohio and Pennsylvania. This good is on uh, with Genesis Radio. Uh, she's a uh -huh. songwriter. She does her own thing out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bump School, the good sister, Lady Maverick. 
Lady Maverick, are you there? Hey. <laughs> What's going on? That was such a wonderful, wonderful introduction. I'm about to put that in my resume. <laughs> in the resume. Put it in the resume and resume on. How in the world are you doing out there in Pittsburgh, PA? This is a critical state in this election year, Lady Maverick. Yes, it is. It's and that's a whole nother subject for <laughs> another show. But I'm doing great today. How's everybody doing? Oh man, you great, Lady Maverick. Good. Welcome to the fold. Thank you. We we, we got the wrong people on the line. If we wanted a a phone call of introverts and shy folks, uh, we gonna come with it, y'all. Um, thank you so much for being here, all four of y'all. Well, we we lost four people, and uh, we're gonna delve into a few of them quite extensively, but I, I want to get to uh, the list of people that we lost in no particular order. Uh, Edna Wright, uh, singer, uh, sister of Darlene Love, who famously sang with the Blossoms, who sang on everything that you can ever envision as one of the most stellar background vocalists of all time. Her sister Edna Wright just passed away, who was a star in her own right. Uh, singer, uh, famous for singing hit songs such as One Ads and uh, girl is rough out here, or I'm, I'm no, I'm gonna get that title wrong. But one of my favorite samples by Common. I mean, this crew, uh, Honeycomb, uh, one of the first diva soul groups that uh, really crossed over super big after after the Supremes. So uh, we have a lot to talk about with Edna. We lost Toots Hibbert, a founder and leader of the ska reggae band Toots and the Maytals. So Jamaica has uh, been enduring this major transition. Toots Hibbert is known to be one of the first people ever to coin the term on record called reggae. His big hit called Do the Reggae was a, a smash hit record in the late 60s. Toots Maytals, Lee right. Toots Hibbert, my gosh. And then uh, this, this whole thing started with these two, David Scott, Juliana, and Lady Maverick, Ronald Bell of Cool in the Gang. We lost Kaiyis. Thais Bayan, Ronald Bell. Oh my God. I, I'm going to wait until we get into that section with Ronald Bell to, for y'all to understand this, the stellar, immense contribution this good brother made to funk and soul music. Ronald Bell, we got to honor him during this call. And Danny Webster. Oh my God. If you don't know who Danny Webster is, David Webb, oh my God. I mean, I know you do. I know you do. But <laughs> yeah. one of the best funkiest, most slickest funk bands of all time, Slave. Danny Webster yeah. put it down with that funk group in Dayton, Ohio, heap transition. This was, this yeah. is all in the span of a few days, y'all. You know, so it, it, it's hot and crazy out there. Uh, I, I wanna let these very talented people speak on some of this. Uh, if you could, can we start with Edna Wright and uh, Tilton and Maytals? Um, Juliana Bowden, I know you did. Um, your due diligence to uh, research these artists throughout your lifetime. And um, I know anytime I have a conversation at hold like this, you're one of the first people that come to mind. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And then I want to turn it over to Lady Maverick. Uh, the loss of Toots and the Maytals and uh, Edna Wright. Juliana Bowden, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I also want to bring Scott into this conversation because Absolutely. one of the things about Edna Wright is the lineage of the, the, the girl, there's nothing like looking back on girl group lineage and you land on somebody like her. And there's something also to be said when it comes to being black and looking at what somebody like Edna was able to do in the time that 
you know, they were really that, you know, her hits were like really current. So a lot of the transitions that are happening right now, um, and I could say, you know, definitely about said and right, is these are some of these are some trailblazers that were working in, you know, in a patriarchal system, in a, a system that was against black folks that were really creating opportunities for people to see our humanity through the through their artistic creations. And I will always be um, grateful to the, you know, I, 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 I can't even tell you the number of times I heard the song Wine Ads in the House. Because mm, it was a, it was one of those songs that my mom, my grandmothers, my aunties, you know, bouncing around, taking care of business. That was one of the soundtrack, that was the soundtrack to my life coming up. Right. Um, and so later on as an adult, when I look back on that song or her life and her contributions in particular, I start to realize the conditions with which these artists were working against and still creating so much beauty. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. That one of the things that was really cool about the Honeycomb, which is the group that, that Edna uh, was showcased within as, as the lead singer, uh, you know, coming from California after we'd had the Supremes and, and, and you know, several other girl groups, you know, uh, some more famous than others, uh, the Honeycomb came along and uh, they were they were very unique in, in their look and in their approach to the music. Edna already had the, the lineage of her sister, Darlene Love, and doing all the background vocals for R&B artists, pop artists, you know, they were doing all this stuff in the, in the background. And, uh, and then Edna was able to come out with this very fresh California black girl group and, and, and their biggest hits were things that were, you know, uh, a lot sassier and a lot more forthright than a lot of the songs that we'd gotten from other girl groups that were very sweet or, oh, I'm longing for my man and oh, I wish and, and whatever. I mean, they were like one monkey don't stop no show. <laughs> don't put yes. in the one ads I'm looking for somebody new I mean you know the kind of messages that they were putting out there in their lyrics and in their uh, you know delivery was uh, it was very refreshing and and you know me being a child when this stuff came out I mean I was six seven years old when those when those records were hits I mean used to think you know they came into my house not even on a 45 or an album but on an eight track sampler you know that's something uh -huh. like bootlegs that you got at the swap meet that had you know about 20 people's record singles on them you know wow and and they were just uh you know it was something else they they, they almost felt like a as i was so young they were like older sister josie and the pussycats type of group for me you know uh -huh. it's like yeah look at these sassy girls they were colorful uh one of my friends on facebook described them as like you know, kind of black hippie chic. I called them sexy Cali fine. You know, they were just, they were the bomb, you know, and I, well, I love their music. I love their look and everything. So Edna was in the front of all that, a great lead singer, great presence. And uh, wow, it's, it's just wow. such a loss, you know. To be doing all of that in 1971, we're yeah. talking, we're, we're, we're talking about civil unrest, Vietnam War, Mm. A, a, I mean, and to have that kind of black girl magic 
it, it making itself evident in a you know a, amidst such upheaval is not to be it, you can't overstate how um trail well i, I hate the word trailblazer because it's so overused but i'm gonna use it anyway because it's appropriate go ahead go ahead i mean you're yeah, i agree they they, <laughs> they definitely did they they changed the game in the, the 70s they came right after diana left the supremes and uh, and i right. actually love you know the new incarnation of the supremes once gene Terrell came in and you know mm -hmm. they were still glamorous but they came down a few notches you know and were a little earthier and Frank Wilson's productions and all that, but Honeycone were a great contrast to a lot of a lot else that was going on with girl groups. There are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of women solo artists that were asserting themselves. You know, Millie Jackson was coming up and oh my goodness, I just a couple were just in my head and went out. Um, there was Millie, there was I mean, Frida Payne. A lot of the Southern of the Southern ladies were Betty Wright. You know, they were all right. you know coming well, with say, um, you know, more. Some, more yeah, attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that um, coming from the, my family's based from the Caribbean Trinidad and my mom first came here in the States in 68 and the Honeycomb was truly uh, one of the groups I remember seeing in my mom's uh, record collection, which I've inherited since. So. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Come on, don't throw them away. I have use for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Indeed. But I will say that um, what was news to me, because I'm I'm just, I mean, I, I have some knowledge, but I'm still a student. What was news to me was that Edna Wright is the sister of Darlene Love. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Recently. Yeah. I didn't so that, 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 that was something new on me. But I remember my mom told me that, whereas she preferred Motown at the time, because, you know, Motown was pretty much global at the time when she was growing up in the island. So... Mm -hmm. They used to hear the Motown music all the time in, in, in Trinidad because you're not that, uh, in that time, the early 60s, Trinidad was under British rule. So mm -hmm. they had a lot of the song, they, when they toured England um, at the, you know, during the reviews and stuff, my mom knew about them. But when she came here to the States, she kind of saw um, somewhat of an influence of of um the honeycomb from um moth and the vandellas yes and yes. the marvelous because of the way edna uh sang because you yeah. know Diana ross had that pop um mm -hmm. that that pop vocal that um seemed to be more mainstream and my mom thought that she um she thought Honeycomb was like an, inf uh, well, uh, was influenced by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas and, um, and, and the Marvelettes mm -hmm. okay. as far as the vocal delivery. Yeah. I can certainly agree with that. Yeah. You know, in the, in the interest of uplifting um, Edna Wright in her own, uh, one of the things that us students, you know, of the craft have uh, learned is that she provided so many background vocals for folks that you may or may not have been aware of. The fact that she was uh, supporting U2 and Kim Carnes, those sorts of artists, you know, that were thought to be so incredibly original in their own right in this certain kind of pop rock world were always buoyed by the glorious voices of Black women like Edna Wright. So mm. I need to really 
put a spotlight on the the foundation. Some some black girl vocals are as much of a foundation as rock music as the backbeat of a drum. Yeah, yeah. I, so, somebody, somebody, fight me on that! I no, dare you. I, 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 no, <laughs> there was actually a movie called um, Twenty. Oh, I, I always Twenty feet from Twenty, 20 yes. feet from stardom. Yeah. Call and it that, out, Lady Maverick. You know, Tell right? It. You know, and and that gets even more of a history behind it because I we used to hear the songs all the time with the female background singers, but that gave it more of a history because I didn't realize a lot of the singers were were um first of all i didn't realize a lot of them were black let's just put it that way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i really didn't know that because especially on um the a lot of the lead vocals from from uh from mick jack from mick jagger's oh, songs absolutely. i had no idea right. and I, it was, I was just blown away and the the history for having um female background singers back back then it seemed like back in the 60s and 70s and correct me if I'm wrong, it was more of a um, a given that you have uh, uh, background vocals. And most of them were, were uh, like what Elvis would say, he wanted somebody, he, he always dug the sweet inspirations because of their gospel sound. Ooh, Sissy Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, all of that. Ray Charles with the Ray Letts. Yeah. And, um, and, and they all so had many... that upbringing. Oh, yeah, well, and, 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 and the that, sisters, right? see, the, the, the thing about our, our people is that, you know, we have soul, you got a thing, but mm-hmm. we can also emulate anything else. So, you know, you could have the sisters doing country music, you have them, you know, rocking out with the, with the hardest of, of Southern rockers or whatever. I mean, they could, they could do it all, but they, you know, but the one thing that others couldn't really do that, you know, our, our folks had was soul. You know, it's like if, if that would always come across as phony if you didn't have the right folks singing that stuff. Or, you know, we could sing anything. Anything. Yeah, black women were most definitely, at, at, you know, uh, a force. The range the was the background singer. Absolutely. Wait, let me, let the range was the range yeah. was recognized, and yeah. I I I, I should say that we point these things out, not because we feel that these heroes were unsung within the mm-hmm. community in the craft, but because people sought us out, sought them out, excuse Absolutely. me. Um, right. And they sought, they, pe- people like Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney, um, they have sought these type of singers out with so much love that the reverence that those artists have for those singers is sometimes a surprise to their fans. Right. Yeah. David Bowie did. Let me just, let me jump in. Let me jump in real quick. I, I'm I'm enjoying hey, this. I don't say, I don't say I don't say too much, but I enjoy I enjoy the conversation say by something. listening. Sometimes sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you listen on, you, you listen, you love and you enjoy educational stuff. I love this. Also too let me piggyback on something too. Speak well. uh, yes. A lot, lot of the, lot of the um, white artists, that's how they knew is that black sound from the Mick Jagger, like you said, over in England. But look who influenced them. The black artists influenced a lot of these guys in England. Even now, if you see the background singers in country, uh, pop, you have to have the sisters giving the soul what they need to push that song. That's true. I right? love it. 
That's right. And David, you've spoken a lot about being, that was David Webb out of uh, Ohio. You've also been hearing from Lady Maverick out of Pennsylvania. We got A. Scott Galloway and Juliana J. Bowden out of California, y'all. This is KCWGTheTruth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're breaking it down for some recently transitioned uh, giants in the world of funk and soul uh, and reggae to a certain extent. Uh, Toots and the Maytals. We've been speaking about Edna Wright, singer, lead singer of the soulful conglomerate called Honeycomb, sister of Darlene Love. And we're also going to be celebrating just shortly Ronald Bell of Cool and the Gang, as well as Danny Webster of Slaves. So, David, uh, real quick before we take a short break, uh, you've often said on this show uh, just something about being uh, in your region, just being close to the source. And when you talk about what Juliana was saying about these singers being sought after, and these singers like Mick Jagger, they're, they're after something. They're after the essence of something. And they want people who are a little bit closer to God in, in their Oh, yes. You know yes, saying? I agree with you. I agree with you. We just did, we just did a, uh, our, our television show, on the, the Funk Chronicles, Isaac and on that show. It's on YouTube, the Funk Chronicles. We just did uh, Oni McIntyre with uh, Average White Band. And he said Woo! when he was a young man, and it, it's going to be coming out, he, when he was a young man, how the, James Brown blew his head off, and all these black artists blew his, they, you know, just blew him away. So he just wanted to know about funk, and and he just got into that music. How the African American community changed a lot of these white artists' lives, and that's why they want to get that soul from the background sisters. You know, I mean, it's just amazing the accomplishment that these African American sisters uh, give with music. And I I, I don't want to name a lot of people, but it's just, you know, like from Destiny's Child, let's put it like Destiny's Child, standing on the shoulders of these women who sung. And I, I'm, just, I'm just amazed how they don't mention or pay homage to none of these ladies. That's, really that's one of my biggest issues. Well, you know, Ani McIntyre of the Average White Band, I mean, I, I did the liner notes for all of their, their stuff in America. Oh, and I know for a fact, I mean, you know, Average White Band is a complete anomaly because there's been a lot of white bands that... that have done some level of soul music, but um, average white bands from Scotland, and they studied everybody from the stylistics and the spinners to the JB mm -hmm. to whatever. And 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 Ani, that's my dude. Man. He's such a great rhythm guitarist, and he lived up under the what Jimmy Nolan was doing with the JB. Mm -hmm. It's just yeah. now, Arnie, I spoke with Ani. Speaking with Anya, speaking with him, uh, like for like in depth, I call him on the phone and talk to him. And like I said, you have to see this interview. Our mayor, Ryan McLean, our former mayor, Ryan McLean, uh, she did the interview. And he is so cool. And he understands the black thriving music. He understands, you know, Black Lives Matter. He understands this stuff. And yeah. he's just, he just, he's just amazing. He's an amazing man. And now he's living in um, New York City. And, but, he loves the African-American sound of music. He lives it, breathes it. Mm. That's all I can say. Wait to see that. Yeah, we, we want to make sure we plug that before we let you go. So uh, we're, we're going to pivot because uh, y'all, don't get me started. I knew bringing y'all together. Start. Lady Maverick, <laughs> don't it start. It's like, it's like so many start. things going through my head. It's like just thinking about <laughs> Honeycomb before we go to Ronald and uh, Danny. Man, Honeycomb, that, that era, Scott, Lady Maverick, Juliana, and David, just brings all the sass that I, I think Scott was talking about and just uh, Lady Maverick brought up 20 feet from stardom and just thinking about how the background vocals came to the forefront to where you were actually singing along with the background vocals. 
you know, oh, yeah. Lou, Lou Reed had and and the steps and somebody mentioned the Ray Letts. Okay, what yeah. about Little Sister, Sly Stone's Little Sister group? You know, you, you bring that sass and attitude to the forefront with these sister groups, and this all preceded even Brides of Funkenstein and Lynn Mabry and all of them. And so Edna Wright would definitely blaze the trail in her own right. And I guess just got to give a shout out for the world of hip hop and the underground soul movement. Uh, Juliana, you'll know this really well. Uh, one of our favorite moments from Edna Wright was the common video for uh, Testify. Hey. That's Edna Wright, y'all. Oh, okay. That's Edna Wright. Innocent Till Proven Guilty is a smash. And it was featured prominently on Common's album in 2005 called B. Uh, I've played the original track when I've done my thing, you know, as a DJ in the underground soul movement in LA. And uh, it's a classic. It's a gem. Uh, wasn't that successful. That album was Love, Peace, and Soul from 1972. But Soulful Tapestry, of course, is the one they're mainly known for because it had yeah. the, the big hits, right, Scott? And yeah, that was the third album, you know? Right. So it's amazing. And they, they had a couple of records before that that had a lot of really strong material, but uh, not so much radio hit singles. Because the other thing you got to remember is One Ads and One Monkey mm -hmm. and, and all that mm -hmm. stuff, they crossed over. Those were big yes. top, top 40 exactly. hits as well as R&B hits. Exactly. Who else was doing that? I mean, you, you talk <laughs> about the, the, diff, the, the second incarnation of the Supremes when um, after Diana left. And by the way, after she left, they had one of the best samples ever in the world of hip hop from the Supremes without Diana Ross. Called, uh, it's time to break down that uh, Gangstar used, Julian. Oh, yeah. Premier and Guru. Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, Lady Maverick, go ahead. You wanted to say something? Yeah, I was going to touch on the fact that you, you couldn't mistake um, HDH's um, production oh, yes. on those Honeycomb records. I All mean, right, tell us who really HDH did. is. Tell us who yeah. You could, you could really tell that they took that formula that they innovated at, at Motown over to Hot Wax. Okay, who's so HDH? Really that that style is there. Who's HDH? Yeah, style is there, but they, it's a little grittier. Like but it's they, a got, little they, gritty. Got, they got to get down a little bit more on yeah. their own. Away yeah, because you know Motown, they wanted to keep it pop friendly for it to cross over, and then right. when they mm -hmm. formed their own record, they were like, "Look, we're just going to do our own thing. This is not. This is what the people want." And they <laughs> did know? that on their own label too with uh, Invictus. So I had to give the people Holland. what they want. Exactly. Yep. Invictus and, and Hot Wax, which was a yeah, subsidiary yeah. of Invictus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that uh, remember uh, Westbound Number Nine? That what was that group called? Oh my God, Flaming Embers. Oh my God. Yep. Everybody used to think. I mean, I didn't realize. Remember Juliana? The last time you were here, we were celebrating George Clinton. And, yes. Um, I didn't know that. You know, I used to listen to that song since we're talking about Hot Wax, rec hot wax Records. I used to listen to that song as a kid. And it's like, oh, okay, it's a soulful fun group. I didn't know that group was white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, also, I also didn't know. I mean, not that it matters, but it matters. But I also didn't know that people used to confuse the lead singer of that song to George Clinton. They said they had a sort of a similar gruff. I don't know. Like if Parliament. Yeah. Like the early Parliament songs. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I, I can, can hear it. You, I can hear it now. Lady yeah. Maverick, but back then, I, my ears weren't tuned, you know, as a kid, of course, you, you, it becomes a little bit more refined with, with time, like the fun, you know, with, with wine right. and everything. But I didn't make that connection when I was a child. I was like, wow, the Flaming Ender, Embers, George Clinton. Okay, I can kind of see it now. Wow. Yep. All I can say is wow. Well, uh, like I you, said. You know, uh, before we get out of here, I ahead. just, for <laughs> Edna Wright, for all the people that she touched, not just you know the fans the artists 
This woman has sang with a range of folks from, I mean, she, she sang with Weather Report. <laughs> Come on now. Oh. Nancy, Nancy Wilson. She, my, my, Michael Jackson, uh, Leonard Cohen. I mean, I am marveling at the sides of the spectrum that she sprinted from around her uh, career. When people come after you and you got that voice, folks from all walks of life of creativity want, I guess, uh, which one of y'all said some, a voice that's closer to God. Yes, and that ma'am. just shows everyone coming for this for some, you know, to, to have some of this soul of Miss Edna Wright for the variety of people that knocked on her door. God bless you, Edna Wright, for your voice, your sassiness, your vision. Mm. I mean, and she will live on in a number of recordings across a spectrum of music. And this is a beautiful rainbow of things she's created. And don't forget that a record that she came out in, I believe, in 76, Oops, Here I Go Again. That's right. That that record that my mom had in her. um, I I only knew about the record because De La Soul sampled the title track Uh on Pass the Plugs. And I was like, wait! And I went and got that in the right record. Yes! Same one! That's the the beautiful thing about hip-hop is that even though I, I, I hear Mr. Webb on saying that the artists don't uh, sometimes talk enough about those that came before them. What hip hop does still do is get fans interested in times of where did they get that music? Because the fans are a lot more cognizant of the fact that there are building blocks of straight up other people's sound recordings that they're working with. And I feel confident though you know that we will be able to engage in uplifting our our heroes you know with shows like this that's why we're here so that's why i love what lady maverick said you know it's like because you have some people in the dj world or whatever that will go back and they want to know what the samples were because all they're concerned about is the quote-unquote beats but there are other people fans and musicians and songwriters and singers that will go back and find those records and they are probably the ones that will be uh, even a bit more um, impressed and, uh, and, and impressed upon when they discover the original albums and the full on songs, not just the two bar, four bar, eight bar, whatever was, was lifted from it. Uh, and I shouldn't just say DJs, but like, you know, just people that are looking for beats, that's one thing, but people that go back and dig in those crates and absorb the entire albums and songs of things that were sampled that's that's where the real beauty is and and that's where the touchstone to our history and legacy really lies oh i jump in on something real quick and i jump in on something too i I want to piggyback on what you what you said okay also if you look on youtube now you have these two young african-american uh young men who are listening to old school now and they're blown away uh, where well, yeah. i was listening looking at that the other day where phil collins uh was playing uh did one of his songs and then they, they, they talked about maurice white earth went a fire they said well his face expression but that man can sing i said wow y'all, y'all haven't heard nothing yet young man that's what i'm saying to myself but uh, <laughs> i think they just did bobby womack didn't they just did bobby womack if you think 
think you're lonely now or something. I haven't watched any oh, of this. Oh, I have I've to seen. see that. Yeah. I could imagine that yeah. reaction to Bobby Womack. <laughs> yeah, it's called yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, reaction or whatever it's called. It's like you yeah. know, they, they sit there and they and they listen to it together for the first time and then just wild out on it, just trip, you know, like what the reactions are. Damn, right, I'm glad right. you brought that up because I, I've been seeing uh, postings of it, but I never actually, and I've seen the icon on YouTube, but I never clicked on it. But yeah, that that's fun. And since you brought up Bobby Womack, uh, Scott, uh, I think I saw on either your page or Lady Mavericks that uh, I can understand it. Didn't that feature background vocals from, from Edna? Yes, it did. Right. 1993's uh, Bobby Womack collection. I'm looking at the credits for that right now, and she's listed right alongside. Oh, well, yeah, there you okay. go. There you go. I, mean, I can understand it also had Pam Greer on background vocals. Yep. No. Yep. Yes. You, you, can I, we just go stop the whole show that, and that just say, I, A. Scott, a. Scott Galloway is going to find a way <laughs> right? to put Pam Greer in a conversation <laughs> whenever possible. Good. And I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not, not mad. mad. I'm not mad. Did David oh. Webb ever have a Pam Greer poster on his wall? <laughs> No, my mother was a Christian in Church of God in Christ. I actually had to hide it in my drawer. <laughs> I had to hide it in my drawer, and then my mother found it, and I got a thrashing. So that, that's my story about Pam Greer, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, you said Church of God in Christ. And Absolutely. I grew up in Church of God in Christ. Of Edna. That's where Edna came from. She yes, came from the Church of, of God in Christ with Billy Preston and Andre. Yes, yeah, Billy Preston. Andre Krauss, Billy Preston. Let me, let me say this. I, I don't want to uh, venture away from what we're talking about, but that Oakland sound with the Hawkins, Andre Krauts, I mean, you know, Sly the Family Stone, gospel was huge, huge in the Oakland, San Francisco area. And when Andre Krauts came, and started, so when he first got with, uh, I'm going to keep on singing, I'm going to keep on shouting, I mean, he took the contemporary gospel to a whole nother level. Really whole nother did. level, you and really I mean Edna. He Edna. I think Edna sung with Andre Krauss too on a couple yes. of things. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I mean the, the girl is dynamite. Her voice and range it gives you goosebumps. Goosebumps. Wow, yep. this is KCWG, the Truth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump Cool. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, we're playing. <laughs> oh my God, we're paying tribute to Toots and the Maytals. We've been speaking extensively exclusively so far almost about the great Edna Wright, lead singer of Honeycomb, recently transitioned, ladies and gentlemen. That was David Webb of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in uh, the beautiful city of Dayton, Ohio, the home of the funk, the capital of the funk, the patent capital of the world, David Webb once taught us. Uh, we also have the great Juliana J. Bowden out of California, journalist, musician, MC in her own right. We have the amazing Lady Maverick out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's got her own Genesis radio going on out there. We got them all, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, my inimitable good brother, the legendary journalist, musicologist, and drummer, A. Scott Galloway. We're breaking it down, y'all, for these recently transitioned giants on Psychotic Bump School. It's such an honor to have y'all here. I'm just going to let y'all flow because I see I ain't going to get y'all to stop. So uh, <laughs> Ronald Bell, <laughs> Ronald Bell of Cool in the Gang. We just lost Robert Cool Bell's little brother, y'all. Ronald Bell just recently transitioned, y'all. and we also can, can I say, can I, let me jump in real quick because for everybody else to do. Let me say that, you know, Ronald Bell, I mean, tremendous man. You know, you know, he, you know, he's out of Ohio, born in Ohio. Okay. Out of the, the Youngstown area, you know, because he oh, like a lot, you know, a lot of the musicians out of Ohio, they taste that water. 
and, and then they go from there. But yeah, Ronald Bell, I mean, just the exciting person. Because when I first heard Cool in the Gang, I think I was like 10 years old and listening to Jungle Boogie. That blew my mind. Put it out, put it out, Jungle Boogie, put it out. I was like, wow. Yep. It, it, it was like it was a kid, and I was going home going, put it out, put it out. So, you know, my mother's in church, God in Christ. I couldn't say that no more in there. But <laughs> just listening to that, because everybody was doing the bump, that's when the Bertha Buck boogie was coming out. And when Cool and the Gang was doing that, I mean, it was an exciting moment as a child listening to music. And one thing I have to say, they all played their instruments. That's yeah. why we always loved all that. All play their instruments. All play their Cooling instruments. Gang, their original name was the Jazzy Acts, and, uh, uh-huh. and they were uh-huh. they were they seriously did a blend of of jazz and R and B, and and they were they were definitely off into their instruments. And the only thing I want to say by way of introduction of, bro- of Brother Ronald Bell is that even though he was the baby brother, mm. he was the brother. He was yes, the he one was. that really <laughs> was the leader of that group. He, you know, mm. he was the musical leader and he's the one that even got his his uh, his bigger brother to kind of get out of the street life and come and, and, and play this music so mm-hmm. everybody knows robert cool bell is the bass player and the namesake of the band and and he's the spokesman he goes out and does a lot of interviews and stuff but anybody that knows about the history and the music of cool and the gang ronald bell who went on to be Khalis bayan man i mean he was the one that led them down the path of of all the things that they did musically. He was the musical leader. Behind you could tell of that in the, group. Um, yeah, well, you can tell in the, uh, the uh, that there's a Soul Train clip where, I forgot what song they were performing, but anyway, Ronald was, at, uh, Dodd Cornelius was interviewing Ronald, and he mm-hmm. looked like he was mm-hmm. the leader of, of the group because he was answering oh, wow. the questions. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he, I believe he was in the red suit. They were. They did yeah, so. Yeah, that, yeah that's, one, time. that's the one. That's the one. And see, and Don Cornelius knows. Don Cornelius knows who to interview. Believe me, he knows who to interview, and he keys right there. If you look at all his interviews, he goes right to the person who's going to talk. Like when, uh, like uh, when he was talking, like he said, uh, talking to Ronald, he went right there. No one else, even if JT was there. He went Mr. to Ronald. Yeah, Mr. Ronald, Ronald right there, right well, before, there. Before I go Don. to Juliana. Oh, I'm sorry, Lady Maverick. Before I go to Juliana and back to uh, Lady Maverick, Scott, you, you refer to him as Khalees Bayan. So can you talk to us briefly about that too? Because they're, they're just as spiritual, perhaps even more so than, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire in terms of the fact that- Yeah, well, they were, they, they were probably the most explicitly spiritual of the R&B bands, period, because they really flaunted, you know, particularly on my favorite album, Light of Worlds, you know, mm-hmm. their, their, uh, their Muslim Islamic, you know, uh, following, you know, that, that's what they believe. They followed that, uh, that mm-hmm. doctrine very closely. And it's interesting because they still brought the funk and they were <laughs> silly and they did all this other stuff. But, you know, they also had so many messages in their music, man. You listen to stuff like Higher Plane and Rhyme Time People mm-hmm. and Fruit Man and Hereafter, which is really, when, mm-hmm. when Ronald died, that was the first song that uh, that came to my mind because, come on, man, right after Summer Madness, they go into the album closing song talking about what happens when we leave this planet and um, and, and being full of grace and light and and brotherly love and everything they were they were no joke with that you know um 
so it, it left an impression on me. I mean, I, I, it didn't impress me to become Islamic, or, you know, or become a Muslim and, and carry that faith. But I really appreciated from a very young age the fact that they were able to be that outwardly, you know, spiritual with, with what they were about and still be funky, you know, and, 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 and great musicians and everything and not stoic and, and you know, thumping on scripture and all that kind of stuff. They, they mm -hmm. integrated it into, into their music so beautifully, just like they integrated so many different types of music into what they were doing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, I, when I was coming up, I really loved the Ohio Players, Commodores, and, and Earth Wind. And Cool and the Gang, the only reason they weren't as big a favorite of mine is because they were spottier. You know, they had like brilliant times, and then they had times where it was like, what's going on? So they had more of a roller coaster in their career, whereas the other group seemed to have a much longer, steady stream of hits. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when Cool and the Gang hit, I just I direct everybody to the light of world though. And of course Wild and Peaceful, which is the one that broke them yeah. wide open. But they yeah. got five albums before that. If you just want to talk about straight up musicality, mm. those that's when they were really leaning more on their jazz roots and fusing it with R and B and stuff. Brilliant stuff. So and please go beyond there. And also too, also too, there was a great crossover group, a great crossover group to the white community. I mean, who didn't sing their songs when you had a party celebration? I mean, amazing. Yeah. Still playing to this day. Uh, you know, well, like, even funky stuff in Jungle Boogie were huge yeah. crossover hits too. I mean, you know, they were funky as all get out, and they were number one on the black charts. But I think I'm pretty sure they were top five pop too. Those songs were. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I interviewed Cool uh, late last year, we spoke about the songs that still played at every bar mitzvah. He chuckled at that. He said, yeah, those are the songs we even get asked to play. It's like, we can't do a concert. He said, we can't even do a concert without doing that. It's like, <laughs> they yeah. don't play all the other songs. They got to hear Celebration. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's true. Yes. I mean, even though I'm a person that's always going to take Jungle Boogie over Celebration, Thank I have you. to like complete. <laughs> I, I have to like go and I marvel. Concur. At, I concur. I concur. I concur. I concur. I have, we all concur. I have, I have to marvel. <laughs> I, I thank them for Celebration because they are they are a, a huge, huge branch in extending the humanity of Black people all around the world and forcing folks that would otherwise not see our humanity, our gift for bringing folks together. And when I, and I have to say that uh, one of the ways that I enjoy, of course, y'all know I'm a, I, I'm a hip hop child. I'm a Lollapalooza baby. I grew up on you know, Tribe Called Quest and Nirvana. So mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a part of me that is ensconced and say, the things that came after them. So summer, we, we need to talk about summer madness and the enduring legacy of summer madness through summertime by Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and the 200, the 200 plus other songs that sampled summer madness alone. Summer mm. madness, summer madness, just for context, nobody is surprised. See, I got some stats. I came smart Come today. Y'all don't even know. Come on, baby. Um, Come on. Funky President by James Brown. Uh-huh. We're going to play a game right now. So mm -hmm. y'all going to, which, which, which is the lie? Funky President was sampled by 300 songs. Funky President was sampled by 
3,000 songs. Mm -hmm. Funky President was sampled by 900 songs. Okay, which, where, where, where's the truth? Is right, it 3,000? I would say 3,000. Anybody 000. else want to find yeah. it? Yeah, I would say 1,000 too, yeah. Well, look, to date, those that we know of that are actually documented, it's around 900. So I, I say that because that sets a benchmark. We know that we hear Funky President all the time mm. in, in every kind of music, regardless mm. of whether or not it's properly documented. So the fact that this very one, the one song by Cool and the Gang documented, sampled 213 songs is really, really huge because the building blocks of hip hop largely in my view is James Brown it's George Clinton uh all all facets of George Clinton and perhaps the Ohio players i would consider the basic building blocks of hip hop okay music Okay, let me jump in. Let me jump in on that too. Let me jump in on that too. Go ahead. Forget, let's do so this Isaac Hayes, Slide the Family Stone. I want to jump oh, in and okay. add that too. Okay, you yes, know, um, yes. So, Absolute you know, I can go on box. and go on. I, you know, but, but you know, we, that, that to me, we did our Mount Funk more and we had those guys like that on, on our mountaintop. Like that, <laughs> even throw Bootsy in there. <laughs> See, we, we want that Bootsy yes, in there too. You got to throw Bootsy in there. Everybody. You know, so we got, yeah, we have, if you go, if you look on our pages, uh, we have our Mount Funkmore and we have people in the mountaintop, but you know, there's a lot of people we can push up there, but you know, Bootsy brought the one, the one to uh, George Clinton from James Brown. So I that, really we yeah. always got to make sure we had that, add that in there. Absolutely. If you, if you do P-Funk as an uh, entire amalgam, yeah. then forget about it. They, they shut just about everybody down except maybe James. Okay, you well, know, Scott. If you, if you put Bootsy, Funkadelic, Parliament, you know, anything they produced or, or had a pinky or pinky toe in, you know, yeah, that's going to oh, be, well. uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a versus for you right there. Absolutely. Yeah, so for one, for one song alone, Summer, for Summer Madness oh my to God. have its footprint in 200 and something songs. You know, Shante is, Savage uh, covered that as well. It, it, that's it's a crazy, crazy groove. And there's even a Jill Scott remix with uh, Summer Madness. But David, you once said that God came down and uh, what did he say? He dipped his foot in the floor. Well, okay, this is, the, uh, yeah, everybody knows the great Marshall Jones, the gentleman of Ohio <laughs> players, the base player of Ohio players who wore the oh. turban. And Marshall, Marshall is the rock, yes. The Marshall is a good friend of the Funk Center. You know, he passed on, God rest his soul. But he was in the basement. If you go to our uh, YouTube page, the Funk Music Hall of Fame Exhibition Center, subscribe to it, and you're going to find it, where he's in the basement. He said, someone asked him, why is Dayton, Ohio so funky? The great Marshall Jones said, God stuck his foot in the Miami Valley. The sweat off of God's feet ran into the water. That's why they call it so funky. Dayton is so funky because of that. So that's why I look at James Brown, you know, he's so funky. He gave us that uh, heavenly funk and he kind of transferred from the South to the North for the great uh, migration and brought that, brought that funk from the South to these major cities like Cincinnati, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Dayton, all points North and South. But you know, like I said, always take my head off to James Brown because to me, he gave the one, put it on the one. When he said on the one, uh. And remember, he said, if you mess up, what he do? He find you for not being on the one. Absolutely. Well, yes, he would. <laughs> but I got a question for everybody. I heard about that. <laughs> I got a question for everybody. Yeah. 
since we're talking about Marshall Jones, may he rest in power, and we're talking about Ohio players including the gang. So Lady Maverick, A. Scott Galloway, Juliana Bowden, and David Webb. Which band won the band, or excuse me, won the contest with the granny vocals? Because both of them did a sort of a-, a, a Ohio players, funky worm. Band. So Ohio players, funky worm. Funky worm versus <laughs> funky worm. Granny. Yeah, that's, Am that's I getting paid for this? Funky worm, funky worm. Are we getting paid for this? Oh, the funky worm, because that was back in the early 70s. And when I first heard that, I was at, I was, I think it was like 73, 72, 73. I'm not, but I was in Rolf High School, and I mean, Rolf, um, a day camp. And I, I, I remember when that came out, everybody in Dayton, Ohio was just tripping on that, how Junie's voice just changed. And he's talking to himself at the same time. And we're going to get paid. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to get paid. I mean, wow. That Junie is Bruce. a talented man. <laughs> and, oh, he was and wait, 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 wait. He was like talking in his head and talking at the same time. But let me say this real quick. Before, when Junie, Junie passed away, one thing, I, one thing I loved about Junie was I have a letter from Junie. He was uh, supporting me. He's going to send me that keyboard that he did, Funky Worm. And when he passed away, I, it, just, it just hurt me really, really bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he's going to send that to put it in the Funk Me to Hall of Fame exit. I still have that letter. I still have the letter where he was supporting us. But, you know, things happened. And, you know, his daughter, and I don't, I don't know how to reach out to her. But, Junie, uh, I asked him about that. But one thing I want to say is I'm just going to veer away, but I'm coming back. Remember when he got with uh, George Clinton and did One Nation Under a Groove? Oh, yeah. You remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. If you listen to a part where he says, tell Sugar, he was talking about Sugar for the Ohio players, and he confirmed uh-huh. what I said. He said, how'd you know about that, David Webb? I said, because I listened to people. But he said, somebody uh-huh. tell Sugar. And here's my way, that's my way, what, out of my yeah. He was telling Sugar, when he left the Ohio players, that's what he was saying. Somebody tell Sugar, because he's dancing his way out of his what? Restrictions. Restrictions. Oh, snap. Uh-huh. David Webb. Ah. And, and, and wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is good. Scott Brown. Everybody knows Scott Brown. UCLA, yeah. uh, African American Studies. Scott yeah. Brown said, wow, David, I never paid attention to that to you. And I sent him the letter. So you let him know I have communications with uh, Junie Morrison. I mean, just, 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 just funk it. That's why I said the Ohio players. Ohio players. Wow, I just learned something right there. I did too. Hey, I did, first of all, I didn't know. know that Junie did both of them voices, the granny and the manager. And then, yes. uh, uh, and then, wow. yeah, I, I need to, I have to go back and listen to that tell sugar part because yeah, because yeah. everybody it said kill sugar, and you know uh, he's just he's telling Sugarfoot because you know there was a little you know there's little riffs and 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 in, in, in any group, but when he left and went on his own solo career, because remember he left and went and he signed with Westbound. Yeah, he and then he went on his own, you know, because he Junie was doing some other stuff like that, and that's when uh, Sugarfoot stepped up and did the lead vocalist. Mm. That's right. Never that's better, right. in my opinion, than when Junie was with them. I mean, I love Sugarfoot. Don't get me wrong, but the Ohio players. Yeah. I, I love both renditions, honestly. But when Junie was with them, oh my god, they were sick. I mean, Junie was a beast, a yes. beast, and what he was doing. But one thing I love about the Ohio players, and I step down. One thing I love about the Ohio players, everybody. Until today, who write stuff, they get the credit. They get their writer's credit because that's what, so no one will feel there's more than once, you know, bigger than each other. That's what I love about the Ohio players. If you see all their albums, everybody in that group gets writer's credit. Even if you put a high in there, you still get writer's credit. 
and I think that's rare. And man, thank you for bringing that up because I even saw, was it Unsung or one of those? And it featured the Whispers. And even when uh, the, the tallest brother in the Whispers, you know, went away, he, he, I think he had a run in a prison, unfortunately. Uh, oh, they yeah. Made sure, they made sure he still got paid. They took that's care. That's right. They took care they of really him. They really did, yeah. That's right. That's oh, real brotherhood. Brother. Yep. Exactly. It's like, you can't beat that. Wow. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and I agree with you, Scott. I'm in school for this one. Man, y'all just are just dropping some jewels. We got jewels on the line. We got Juliana J. Silk Bolden out of California. We have my good brother, A. Scott Galloway. We have Lady Maverick, Maverick representing out of Pittsburgh. And we have the good brother, uh, David Webb of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio. Well, uh, like I said, I'm just gonna let y'all riff. Uh, Danny Webster. David, I gotta come to you first with this one. And I hope y'all ain't tired. Oh, wow. The, the hits wow, Dan, you know, you know, bless his soul, you know. Band slave, break it down, David Webb. Oh, uh, well, you know, one thing, Danny was one of those guys that flew under the radar, but the talented guitar player, he was like phenomenal what he did. And Danny, I mean, he's using his, the, the talk box of War Porter, on Stellar, different things. And people didn't really uh, oh, so know that, him. They knew Danny him, but they didn't Danny know him. That. that was Danny? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Danny. That's Danny. See, one of the things that I love about Danny, Danny was a nice guy and he was real quiet. Now he had his moments. Don't think he did, didn't. But you know, one thing Danny was, he got over, overlooked. Because when, when Drac stepped up and did Slave, everybody know Drac, right? Sly, you know, I, I think my mama, you know, my grandmother liked that. You know, but, you know, later on when, when Drac left, a lot of other people, that's when Steve Erickson came in, effect. Mm-hmm. Steve was the, the backup drummer after Tim Dozier left. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you remember Tim Dozier, the original drummer, and he was on yeah. two albums and he left because, you know, for a little friction because these kids were like 16, 15, 17, 18 years old. That's so, you cool. know, it's one of those helping their buddies, bring their buddies in kind of thing like that. But, Danny but wait a minute, Webster, wait a minute, though, but they had some, Slave was a trip because they, they had literal teenagers and then a couple of them brothers looked like they was 50 already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Now, now, the oldest person was the drummer, Tim Dozier. Tim Dozier at the time was like 22 years old. And now these guys were 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, like these kids wow. right, fresh out of Rolf High School. These guys grew out of Rolf High School and in the Westwood, Residence Park area. I mean, Dayton, Ohio at that at time, you know, have 15 major acts out of it. But Slave was a unique, they were like the serious young musicians. Coming out of Dayton, Ohio, and they was blown away. These kids were like awesome, but Danny stuck out when he did his got a lot of stuff with his guitar. But he just got overshadowed when, to me, when Steve Arrington got him off the drums and got up front, and then Danny kind of got pushed back. When it was to me, when there was a Cotillion Records, that was their best years, and then they went on down to to other labels, and then they finally uh, out of Atlanta, it's a band out of Atlanta. It, it, to me, it was it was like three. It was like really one, one, one original guy with two original guys, and then and a band, a band. It wasn't really slave. So to me, after that, slave wasn't the same no more that I felt at the time. But when I talked to Danny, Danny, we discussed a lot of stuff, and he, Danny was hurt on some things. But Danny loved the group Slave. Yeah. He loved the group Slave. He lived in drink Slave. One I got to ask you on New Plateau um, in 84. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. the name I remember that. Now. But they had that one record for Atlantic Records before they went to mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't think that record really spawned any hits or anything like that. Right. I gotta yeah. ask this yeah. question. I gotta ask this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, ever, ever, ever had a public discussion about Stellar Funk. And what you just said, you just took me back to my childhood because not <laughs> only is the concept album my favorite slave album next to Showtime, I had no idea who was doing the vocoder uh, on that song. So what you're confirming? Danny Webster. Danny Webster. Saying that's Danny, Danny Webster. Webster. Yeah, and, and a lot of people didn't know that because I mean, I mean, he just woo. That was like yeah. you know, and then you know, I mean, this this amazing because you because think about this. Roger Troutman was doing stuff when he was with the uh, his first, Roger Troutman's first first big hit. It wasn't with with Zap. It was a group called Dayton. I mean, excuse me, yep. Sun. Sun. He sung with Sun, yeah. and yeah. with that hit right there. And, and people thought it was Sean Shanridge, and that was Roger Troutman and his brother uh, Lester on drums at seventeen. Wow. They, they had that song. Was that? Uh, flick my big. Flick my big. Flick my big. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and it's called uh, "Just Wanna Love You." Because they they say flick my big, flick my big. Mm-hmm. I just want to love you. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. But one thing I, I love, and I, I love it with how Danny did that vocoder. I mean, you know, it's just his voice just just came through, and you just felt that. You know, yeah. you like wow. I've been wondering yeah. for years who did that part. You're just like opening up my mind. Scott Galloway, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love Stellar Funk. I've never been able to talk about mm-hmm. concept anywhere yeah, with anybody. That's dope. Julia, yeah, when, when, I, when, I did the, when I did the liner notes for and, and helped produce that um, Stellar Funk compilation for Atlantic, it was very early in my career of doing that stuff. And I was faced with a, a band of nine, well, more than nine people. I mean, you know, because the compilation covered slave from that first album through showtime you know, we didn't really deal with anything that came after that i mean all the big stuff right. was on those albums and then we had to split that with four songs or five from steve errington's years so uh-huh. that was a very uh-huh. icy thing and uh but i'm saying all that to say that so when i was charged with you know doing my interviews i went really in depth with the people that i got but i regret I did not talk to Danny. I mean, I talked to Mr. Mark, I talked to Drac, I talked to Steve, I talked to Carlina, I talked to Kurt and Steve Arrington, Steve Washington and Steve Arrington and Jimmy Douglas. It's like, you know, I couldn't get everybody. And to, um, uh, you know, about, you know, with Danny, the the thing that I was able to do was bring in that Steal Your Heart. I felt that as an album track, I had, I said, we have to have this on here because that brother sang. Now, on Stellar Funk, he's singing through the vocoder and incredible guitar. But man, mm-hmm. Steal Your Heart is, that should have been a hit, man. Yeah, and also, too, let me piggyback with you on this, too, because remember, Slave changed personnel so much. I know you got tired of writing about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like forty people, and I went through there in one week, and you don't yeah. know who's who. But we, so you, so I think you know, it's Steve Arrington, uh, Mark Adams, Mark Hicks, uh, and then you might Steve have Washington. Floyd, Floyd, Washington. Steve Washington. Yeah, you might have Floyd, Starling. Floyd, all uh, horns, McCusson, uh, You know, so you don't, and that's when you, you kind of re- you don't you don't remember nobody else because everybody's coming new, coming through, coming back, and so that's and why it's kind of hard. Starlina, the one female. Starlina. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. And she you know, had she had beautifully vocals on a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. 
And then they went to form um, Aura. Um, yeah. Yes. But you could still hear the when 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 Steve Starlina and I believe um, Tom Lockett left to form mm-hmm. that. Yes. Mm. Um, you could hear. Um, I seem to hear a lot of the influence from Slave in Aura. Yeah. Yeah. Slave play Aura. That was them. Yeah. They they, oh, they yeah. just the Steve Washington just took that track.
they played on that. You hear March basically everything, but Steve took that track and that and went on and formed Aura. Yep. Oh, in okay. The interest That's of, why. In, in, in the interest of uplifting uh, Danny's memory and Ronald Bell, I want you guys to think about something. Um, it's really dawned on me. You mentioned Stellar Funk. Uh, we mentioned Slide. And then I think about the trajectory from Stellar Funk and Slide to to watching you just a touch of love oh. or you look you, or you look back at funky stuff jungle boogie hollywood swinging and then you think about ladies night too hot joanna uh -huh. mm -hmm. both of these gentlemen that passed represented the building blocks the foundation of some really great groups that went through some cultural uh, shifts, at least in you know perception, how they were marketed, but the funk was always very, very strong, even in their most uh, far-reaching pop hits. And I can only hope that we have the next generation of Danny's and Ronalds here, you know, with us right now to carry on this great tradition between Slave and Cool and the Gang. How do you, all of you feel about um, where the music, about how, did, 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 was their music able to stay as thick and intact and, and, and have as much integrity in, you know, toward? Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yes, Enslaved, because as you know, the hip hop community sampled a lot of stuff from Slave. I mean, it's tremendous. I think, yes. And then I go back to uh, the hip hop community sampling Cool in the Gang's music. I think it's, I think it's there. I think it's embedded. I, I think it'll never go away. Yeah, the only thing what I would, I would disagree like to see. with or counter is that whereas Slave had really all those hits, they came within a four year period can you if you can even believe from the sound of slide through the it's sound gotta of be longer than four years four years 71 i'm sorry 77 to 81 my dear and atlantic wow. is making them put out two records a year which was also was another weird. problem it's a lot of pressure on them to put out that i mean you know you got eight out you got don't let me i'm not six seven seven or eight albums <laughs> and i'm talking about the hit albums because they did have a few more things that came after um showtime but mm -hmm. they just didn't really have any more hits so the, the most impactful years of slave was four years cool and the gang had a much longer longevity as a band slaves influence continued through hip-hop sampling and all that sort of thing but the band yes. never got its legs again to be a force whereas cool and the gang reinvented itself several times and like i said the last yeah, time i saw cool and the gang in concert one, they were opening for Van Halen, and what? then the next time was last Van year Halen. for their 50th anniversary. Yeah, David uh -huh. Lee Roth personally asked to have Cool and the Gang open for what for them because he felt mm -hmm. like their music was universal and that everybody would get up yes. and dance, you know, yes. and, and it would be a great opener for Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. So I'm just saying that the longevity of the actual band is a completely different story. But yes, in the world of hip hop, in the world of sampling and covers and, and people utilizing those great tracks that the band did, that's how they went on. Okay. Can, I, can I say something real quick? Let me jump in real quick. I forgot to say this. Okay, uh, Slave was getting back together a couple of years ago, about five years together. Uh, it was Lockett, uh, Danny, Cedell, 
Uh, I think I might, might miss somebody, but just I think it was four, four or five original guys were getting back. Oh, Floyd, they were all getting back together at Jilly's uh, uh, club downtown Dayton, and something happened. But they have they have some new music out. Uh, Thomas Lockett, let me hear it. It is off the chain, excellent. I don't know when C. Dale Carter and Thomas Lockett is going to release it, but just look out for it. It's a great, great memory of Slave back in the day. Okay. Wow. I have a thought to share on that. Lady Maverick, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with um, what um, Danny was, uh, David was saying. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, I like to hear um, when some of these bands, they, they, they come back together to, to do these kind of dates because um, one of my passions is to, um, to inform people that um, a lot of these classic bands and groups, they may not have the original people in them anymore, but um, they still do the music and we should, and we should give them their flowers while they're here. Because look at all these losses that we had over the year in this year alone, you know? And I think that, um, and I believe it was, um, I I believe somebody made a, made a point about a lot of the today's artists that don't really give the homage to to, to the heroes before them, you know. Yeah, that was me. That was me said that. Yeah. And I mean, I believe that we have to give more of a, of a presence um, on social media and even through um, avenues such as this, this, this podcast show that, you know, listen, they, they, they not fold up somewhere, you know, just living their life. They still doing music, That's you know, right. and, and we, and, and, Platforms such as this, and I know I'm going away from the subject a little bit, but platforms such as this um, really keep people out, really keep this music and the legacy alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That was Lady Maverick. But Slave, Slave will always have a problem because they, they lost all of their, you know, forefront members. You Except know what I mean? You know, so it's going to be know. it's going to be a challenge for them. I mean, it was a challenge for them while they were here, you know, but Mark, Mark Adams, uh, Murdered. I don't know what happened to track. Uh, I mean, drag, and Mark Adams' guy, murder drag. has not been solved. Yeah, we did. We did a. You see, we did a. We did a, a exclusive on that. Uh, the, the, you know, the death of Mark. We're still looking for that, and we we try to pull people together who was in Mark's last days to talk about that stuff. We had uh, uh, his uh, uh, his uh, baby's mother came on the show, and she talked about it and then we had his ex-girlfriend uh the time that something happened to mark she came on and told her version of stuff so so people can hear what's going on because people were getting accused of this and people getting accused of that but we wanted to get the truth so we had that on our television show that we uh we put out because we want we want to make sure uh mark uh murder is being solved now Drac, i think he i think he died in his sleep um so you know of a heart attack i think but uh, then, you know, you had other uh, people and Slave might have passed away, too. But uh, the, the forefront guys of those two albums, from the first album and then Hardness of the World, that was, to me, was Slave. That was the one. I was trying to remember the album that the Greatest American Funk Jam was on. So it was the Hardness of the World. And yeah. Then, and then with, um, how about the fact that, just to tie Ronald and Danny together, if that's even possible, both of those bands were sort of led as we said with Ronald and fooling the game being the namesake, it was actually Ronald that Don Cornelius spoke to, according to what David said. And so 
How about the fact that both of these bands were led by horn players? Any significance to that? Fearless leader yeah. is uh, Stephen Washington. As far as I've heard, yeah, he's, still, cool. he's still with us, right? Isn't he still alive? He's in, yeah, he's in New Jersey. Yeah, he left. Now, the interesting thing about this, um, you know, the, the band left Dayton and they, they stayed with Steve Washington's parents up in um, New Jersey. And that's where they, they created a lot of music up in New Jersey. And they came back, came back home. And then Steve didn't want to go back out on tour because right now Steve is a little sickly. I'm understanding from some uh, sources that was in the band. But, uh, you know, Steve is laid back and he's doing some things now. But uh, Steve Washington, great, great talent. I met Steve at, uh, when he was at uh, Colonel White High School, a little short guy. And he didn't remember me till I, till I remember we, I talked to him on the steps. As a kid, he was that talented at what? 16, 17 years old, playing like that. Do you know? Yeah, that, he, was, uh, he was he was influenced right. by his uncle Pee Wee from Ohio Players. Oh, snap. yeah, but see, but that, but that, that's a that's a, that's let me let me say that let me clear that up. They was not related. He just took him under his his um his his um his uh his his uh shoulder and uh carried him uh under his armpit and just brought him and carried him and, and everything like that but that was not related that was not oh, related because okay. I, I spoke to his okay. i spoke to his daughters peewee's daughters they said it was not related oh okay yeah well, okay well, and then he, and then he also went on to do uh two incredible productions for george clinton which was hey huh. good look yes and uh do fries go with that shit. yes sir yes 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 sir and we had a guest uh, a few months ago, Derek McKeith, who was actually the godson, uh, who he called, he referred to him as his uncle, since we're talking about Aura and Salso Records, uh, mm -hmm. and third song yeah. in the past 12 months, I think also. And uh, we had Derek McKeith on here, whose family is very close to uh, the Birdsong family. And they're so close, in fact, that he has to often come out and say, well, we're not blood related, but the influence is clearly there. So yeah. you, know, you raised an interesting point here, but let me do this real quick. This is KCWGTheTruth.com's program. It's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Oh my God, I am just in school. Uh, this, this, this panel is just the most in-depth musically that I think I've ever had on this show. Uh, we got the good brother David Webb, the CEO and founder of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio. We have the incomparable Lady Maverick in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania of Genesis Radio. We have the amazing Juliana J. Silk Bowden, MC, uh, Black Tree TV native out of California. And of course, of course, we have the incomparable, inimitable good brother, music journalist A. Scott Galloway out of California. So Juliana asked a question. We, we got a few minutes left, y'all. Juliana asked a question that you all responded to quite eloquently about the legacy. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. I'll probably get it wrong, Juliana, so bear with me. Uh, just the influence of these two bands, these, these two gentlemen, Danny Webster, Ronald Bell, and the extended legacy of both of them. And as you were asking that question, Juliana, and as I was listening to everybody respond to you, and I was thinking about, well, Scott just said that they did all this amazing work, Danny did anyway, during a four-year stretch. And then I was also thinking, well, then there was the, the Steve Arrington Hall of Fame to which Steve kind of took the lead on that and kind of took it into 83 and a little bit beyond before he kind of kind of tapered off. And he went on to influence an artist out of California named Dane Funk, who they, they've worked together on some stuff with Stone's Throw Records, with Mad Lib and Mad Lib and Peanut Butter Wolf and all those cats. But I, what, what do y'all think about the, the enduring legacy of the lead vocalist? 
because when I first heard Keith Sweat in 1987 with that new Jack Swing, I'm like, okay, he's copying Steve Arrington. I felt the same way. I love Keith, but yeah, that felt the same way. No, 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 no. Steve Arrington's got some flavor that's all his own. He just got he got this lane, and he's got the whole highway to himself on that lane. respectfully, respectfully, I'm gonna need you to keep, you know, Keith over there. And for those, <laughs> just, just, just as a matter of visual, since okay. we're on audio, my, fing- my, my arms are stretched wide. My fingers are pointing way over there from Steve I, Arrington. I know, but <laughs> he, I think over there. Because they, they say uh, AG sounds like Nas a little bit, and they kind of, you know, facially, they kind of, they, 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 they have some resemblances in the hip hop world, AG and Nas. But they're clearly different artists, so uh, I think I get it. I would say, I can't remember which one it is. Casey, either Casey or JoJo, sounds more like Bobby Womack than Casey. Keith. Casey. Sounds, That's Casey. Than, than, than yeah. Keith sounds like Steve Arrington. Fighter. Yeah. I take True. your point. I take your point. <laughs> no. but, the the enduring legacy of hip hop, because we were kind of merging into the hip hop realm. And just thinking about all the people that have sampled Cool in the Gang and Slave. I mean, David, I know you know, everybody knows that Criss Cross had a huge hit that followed up the, uh, the hit Jump with Jermaine Dupree. They came back with a, a Just a Touch of Love. And I think Juliana reached into that with uh, that album on Cotillion, which was a beautiful lead vocal by Steve Arrington, a big hit, big hit for them, for Slave. And then Criss Cross came back with it and May. Uh, Daddy Mac or Mac Daddy, one of them passed away. So may he rest in peace. Oh my God. Yeah. So well, the horns being the horns? out front, the horns being out front in all of these bands. I was just about it, to talk it, about it, it reminds me yes. that there, there's something about this conversation that's making me think about the melodic, uh, the 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 melodic strength of these bands because Absolutely. a lot of American music is thought of being. Uh, guitar focused and things like that because people love a good riff. Um, we have a legacy uh, in horns that is sometimes not talked about enough when it, when we look at where American music has come from. I mean, one of the great horn players that, you know, I, was it uh, Louis uh, Armstrong and, you know, different folks like that, the, the whole element of swing. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way, it, you know, it, it really goes to the heart of the rhythm of the African-American. And the, when you think about swing, you generally think about the drums, but horns are really, really unsung. And I have to say the song that we were talking about the most when we first started talking about Ronald Bell, we were Jungle Boogie, Jungle Boogie, Jungle Boogie. Think about the melodic progression of that. It's not necessarily, it's not about the drums. It's not a, even about the, the bass. Only a horn player or a guitar player could come with that's like a whole that that's a whole mountain of absolutely all that and then which is what my man was was imitating. And you know what I gotta tell you there's a clip. There's a clip that I watched the day that Ronald passed. Uh, there's a great, great interview. We all must watch. Yeah, I've already seen it, but I'm telling y'all, I think it was done by SAG-AFTRA. The great drummer, Steve Jordan, interviewed Ronald Bell 
on stage for like an hour and a half and that brother broke down all them songs exactly where they came from and what he what piece he took from this and what piece he took from that to do things you know uh it, it, I, I don't want to spoil any of the reveals so okay. if you go watch that interview uh it is uh, it's real eye-opening it's a lot of fun I mean, you'll be rolling on some of the stuff he talks about with Jungle Boogie and funky stuff. And I mean, they did all those songs in one day. Wow. Are you stuff, kidding? Jungle Boogie oh, wow. and Hollywood Swinging were all done in one day. I'm sorry, I just gave oh, that reveal God. away. Oh, but, sure did. And, and, uh, my, my theme music. If I hey, as a, as a part time superhero, Hollywood Swinging is my is my theme music. That's the thing. <laughs> when you talk about the horns being sampled, I mean, Pete Rock of uh, the hip hop legendary group, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, famously sampled the horns of uh, chocolate buttermilk, which yeah. the groove is kind of wonky and choppy, but the horn part is so brief, but it's so dramatic that mm -hmm. it actually captured the, the essence of his song, Straighten It Out, with, with, with CL Smooth. And you would think that those horns were just laid in there for that song specifically. But no, Pete Rock lifted it from the Cool in the Gang song, uh, Chocolate Buttermilk. And I'm like, man, where did he get those horns? And what about the horns on the Slave song, uh, Shine? The, it's like a fanfare at the beginning of that song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, horns. Yeah. I mean, well, well, yeah, and it's funny because they went from being a horn-oriented band to not. You know, like, because the horns mm. always were the first thing to go as funk evolved. You know, the cameo yeah, dropped the horns. Ohio players dropped them for a while and sure. brought them back. Uh, Slave, you know, uh, as integral as the horns were on slide and stuff like that. By the time you get the snapshot, and wait for uh, me. And I, well, wait for me. They got strings and no horns. Scott, to say they they say say it say it right though. They dropped the people playing horns organically and replaced right. them because they thought that the keyboard synthesizer could replace. The people and I think that when you delve into the delve into the word music with after that folks are still trying to emulate mm -hmm. the feel that a real some real breath and some real horns can make feel. you feel I, I, blame Prince. I blame that. Prince on that I blame Prince because when he <laughs> came out Prince. and started doing the horn it uh, put the horn sectors out of business. Hey, I blame ooh. Prince for that uh, <laughs> I blame Prince for that because uh, remember remember the horn sections was 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 doing it, and then when Prince came out and said, "Look, you don't need horns; you use keyboards." Remember, I blame yeah, Prince on that one. Oh, <laughs> I'm hurt. Hey, Webster, I know, Webster, I know. I'm sorry. Webster, I'm sorry. I'm hurt. But Prince, you hurt Prince, me. Prince, <laughs> but but I'm telling the truth. Prince changed it up. Because you, you think about it. Hey, yeah, but see, now the horns are coming back more and more. But yeah, but you got to even he evolved during that time because he had Atlanta Bliss. He had uh, the brother from Parliament in his band, Greg Boyer, I think. So he, yeah, he, he came Lee. back around to horns even in yeah, he had Eric Lee, even Prince. Eric Lee. Uh, hey. and, and when he came out with those instrumental, uh, the Madhouse albums. Yeah. Horns were definitely back for that. I mean, you had baritone. I mean, you, you had baritone. Yeah, baritone. Yeah, baritone. Oh, it's like Tower of Power. Even the great purple one had to throw himself on the mercy of the court of horns and bring them back. Ladies and gentlemen. Well, come on, y'all. Jazz is our original contribution to this country. You know, it's like America's, you know, yeah. one music and, and we're responsible for it. And jazz is a through line that goes all the way through, you know, our, to this funk era and beyond that we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. And, uh, and Cool in the Gang was bringing it from straight up 
you know, being influenced by John Coltrane and all that right alongside James Brown. So, I mean, that's why you got such a nexus. They were dealing with the roots of it. We got to go. Oh, my God. Are y'all hearing this? This this has been a stellar funk of a conversation. That was the (laughs) great A. Scott Galloway, music journalist and drummer out of California. We have the good sister Juliana J. Silk Bowden out of California, Black Tree TV. MC songwriter in her own right and music journalist. We have the incomparable Lady Maverick of Genesis Radio, singer songwriter in her own right out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, swing state. And we have the inimitable good brother, David Webb, founder and CEO of the Funk Music Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio. We got to go, y'all. Also, also, I'm a drummer, too. I meant to tell him that, too. I'm a drummer, too. I'm a drummer, too. Hey. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a drummer, too. I got four bars of fire for you, and then you got to loop me, but I'm still a drummer. I'm still a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> the drums I are ears. I play them eardrums. David Webb, you said you had a quick update for us for uh, the Funk Music Hall of Fame. Yes, yes. Like I said, if you get a chance, ladies and gentlemen out there listening to this radio broadcast, uh, go to our our page, the Funk Music Hall of Fame Exhibition Center, or the Funk Center, all one word, on social media, if you don't want to type that in. And uh, in April, we're doing our Funk Symposium, uh, partnershiping with the uh, University of Dayton. That's uh, the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, just ch- check it out. It would depend on what's going on with the pandemic. Okay. And then also, too, we're honoring Dayton funk music with the Dayton Philharmonic Orchestra around April the 26th. But again, wow. just check check our sites into what we're going on. We're teaming up with Neil Gittleman. And also, we're doing our award show at the same time. We're honoring the Ohio players from, uh, the, from, the, from the Funky Worm era to, to, their, to their major hits. Okay, also, we're honoring George Clinton, and we're doing James Brown. That's our, our first uh, nominees into the Funk Music Hall of Fame. Right on. And I just wanted to add one thing. You didn't talk about Tooth Hibbert too much today, and I don't want to go into any history. We don't have time. But I do want to say that uh, the brother got an album out just before he passed, and I've listened to it. It is a wonderful piece of music, 10 songs. The album's called Got to Be Tough. And, you know, it, uh, so much positivity and so much, you know, message for people to get into. And the music is, is slamming. But he, he's got messages that are so on point for what we need to do as far as unification and voting and, and all of that. And he does a great cover of Bob Marley's Three Little Birds. That is not, it don't sound anything like the Whalers version. Yeah, okay? It's something it. completely different. So much respect to that brother. Um, he left behind an incredible legacy. Frederick Toots Hibbert of Toots and the Maytals. Toots and the Maytals. Juliana and Lady, I'll give you the last two riffs real quick. Juliana Bowden, then let's land with Lady Maverick. Well, I'm going to just go out and remind everybody to honor our heroes, honor their work by sharing the music with others and turning people on to things that they may not have heard before or reminding folks of things that they may have forgotten. This conversation has made me want to go dig out the first Cool in the Gang, you know, records that I uh, borrowed indefinitely from my dad. I have a vinyl collection over here that I think I need to revisit today and, you know, turn turn up the Jungle Boogie, the original Summer Madness and celebrate 
where we come from because we've done some amazing things as a people and reminding the world, excuse me, introducing and reminding the world of the humanity of Black people through our arts and Ronald Bell and Webster, Danny Webster, Toots, Edna are certainly part of those that represent the best of us. Sure does. Thank you. Lady Maverick. Well, all I want to say is since moving to Pittsburgh, I've been trying to get myself back onto do, doing the work that I've, I've, I'm known for. I just moved into this area about eight, nine months ago, but I will say you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Lady Maverick NYC. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, which is why this NYC at the end of my name. You can follow me on those platforms every uh season i do an unsung uh tweets through twitter i'm considered one of the unsung ambassadors i basically give like behind the scenes stuff in my tweets during the unsung series on tv one so mm. you can follow me there for that and also nice. um i'm currently working on some on my own website and 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 music blog as well so but i'm not sure of when it's going to be re released yet like I said, I just got into this area and I'm just taking with the COVID. It's just been crazy, but man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you can follow me on those three uh, platforms. And um, I agree with Juliana. We got to keep, we got to keep the fire burning with, with our classic, um, with our classic music, because without the classic music, the future would not be here. Say that, say that. <laughs>